Do this look like work to you? You're listening to the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address. And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen. The show starts now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and back with me this week, and I am excited about that, is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing good, and especially because you're back with me this week. You were on assignment last week. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But before we do, of course, Twitter, Instagram, social media, at double A balls on both D podcast.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Subscribe to the podcast, poweronperformance.com. Purchase your gear, your coffee mugs, your shirts, your hoodies, the whole nine yards, baseball basketball, hockey, playoffs. What do you got? We got a great show coming your way. And I want to get it kicked off with the fact that Congress has changed the law, Anthony Rinaldi, and now sports gambling is legalized in the United States of America. Shh. Don't say gambling. That's a bad word, Andrew. Here's what I'm saying. Illegal gambling. What has really changed? Because people are going to keep gambling. People have been betting on sports. Sports betting has been going on for however long sports have been in existence. We've seen so many scandals. What are we really changing? Is it just that the federal government's getting their hands in it just a little bit more now? Ding, ding, ding. You hit it right on the head, Bob. That latter response. The government realized, the owners of these franchises realized and you heard Mark Cuban even said it on a podcast or CNN or whatever, whoever he's promoting these days. And basically, that just that by him, by him passing that law basically doubled his uh, franchise's worth. When you think about it, because to make all this work, you know that the owners are going to have their hand in the pocket. The government will have their hand in this billion, billions of billions of billions of, of dirty money, Andrew. That was always considered dirty. Uh, so now hopefully, you know, you hope that with this, with the, you know, the government will get their hands on it and they can regulate it, you know, and they could get, like I said, their, their hands on it, even if it's a 10th or a piece of, of a billion dollars, why not? See, the way I see it going is now I'm going to be able to walk into the stadium, Madison Square Garden, City Field, wherever it is, insert professional park here. And while I'm sitting at the game, it's the third inning, and I can go walk up to a concierge booth and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take the odds that Michael Conforto hits a double this at bat. And am I allowed, or am I allowed to go before the game and, and take the odds on the game, take the total over under, whatever it is. Is that how it is, or is it just the fact that I can do it on my phone legally? I can do it everywhere legally. Am I going to get – is it going to be virtual? I know you talked a little bit before the show about maybe you're sitting at the ballpark and now you have a, an iPad in front of you and you're making live in-game bets with the iPad. Is that where we're going now because this is legalized? I guess that was my biggest question listening to it all day and hearing the conversation about it was – Listen, everyone knows this has been going on, which is why we've now probably gotten to the point of legalizing it. But what does it really change, or is there going to be a different element to this thing that's actually going to make the guy that never actually bet on sports to begin with, which no matter whether it was legal or not, is going to be mostly the same population, or are you telling me that that's actually going to change and people that weren't betting before now are going to place their bets? No, I don't think you're going to start seeing a, a rush of people trying to get their bets in because it's closer than, let's say, going to Las Vegas. But, yeah, I don't think it'll affect, you know, the, the guy in the corner making making his book because you look at it, I, right now it's just going to be casinos. Atlantic City, Mohegan Sun, I'm sure once New York passes their laws uh, because I think New Jersey – Pennsylvania, and I think maybe what Virginia and another state jumped on immediately once Congress uh, 
relinquish the, the hold or whatever the whatever that political term is, and uh, you know New Jersey is ready to go. And I heard, uh, I think it's Raceway Park or some one of these operations in New Jersey will be ready to go. Come NBA Finals May thirty first, you can go walk right into their sports book and place a bet for the first time on New Jersey soil. That's pretty big, Andrew. I mean that's huge, and I think there's a lot of things right now in our country that are probably going that direction where it's something that's probably been going on illegally in our country and now recognizing the potential for it being legalized and being able to profit from that it is becoming huge. There's a certain player in baseball that made some illegal bets back in the day and has gotten himself exiled from the Hall of Fame, and that's Pete Rose. Got exiled from the Hall in his house from so his wife, too. does Pete Rose now get into the Hall of Fame? Wow, that's a good right? question. I mean, he did. He did. Wow. I mean, he did it when it was illegal, but now that it's legalized, don't we have to look at the situation and say his ban is now fraudulent in a way? I think that needs to be a Friday dab, son. That might have. I think we need to stash that in the chambers of our brains for Friday morning dabs. Well, then we're staying on the topic of baseball. Because you could go down a whole other path of the sports betting. And I think it's an interesting conversation. And that'll probably be a Friday morning dab at some point, too. But it's, it's going to be curious to watch that situation moving forward and see how it changes what happens in sports and the way the betting goes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if I am betting on a team right now in Major League Baseball, I'm probably betting on your New York Yankees because they are en fuego. That's, and even That's what, Spanish for the fuego. And even when they win, and it doesn't look good, they still find a way in the end. Oh man, winning winning is the ultimate deodorant, Andrew. And frankly, when you're 28 and 12, let's see, what podcast was it back, Andrew? Back on April 21st, I don't know, maybe our 11th, 10th podcast perhaps, Yankees were 9-9. Nine well, they rattled off 19 out of 22, and we're now 28 and 12. It's not too shabby. And the crazy thing is they went through that 19-3 and three run without Brett Gardner being great, with Giancarlo Stanton being a, a pretty good baseball player, but not nearly what you expected Giancarlo Stanton to be, with Didi Gregorius going what felt like oh for the century for about a three-week span. You got through all of that. Sonny Gray having a bad start. I know he's been all right, but he did have a down start. He hasn't been great. You're hoping that changes. You got through all of those things, and you've still come out on the other side. And really, I think this is where you start to crown Aaron Judge, the man in New York. Because, yeah, you can talk about Didi, and I'm on the Didi train. I think at the end of the year, him or Gary Sanchez might end up being the MVP simply just because... You can't win in baseball with just one guy. We've seen that with Mike Trout for years in L.A. He's finally got guys. He's finally got wins. It's just how it works in baseball. It's different than other sports. So I, I don't. So as well as Aaron Judge is playing, you obviously need somebody else there. That's why I think Didi and, and Gary Sanchez are probably going to come into the fold at the end of the year, and you're going to say, wow, thank God those two showed up because we are here because of them. But that shouldn't take away from the fact of how good Aaron Judge is. Oh, Aaron judges out of his oh mind. Oh, my God. Out of his mind, that six foot eight monster. He's not just a power hitter. He is a flat-out hitter. He's a baseball... He's a, yeah, exactly. He's a hitter. Flat-out. He's an on-base machine. Unbelievable. Love him in the, o, in the o, OBP category fantasy, fantasy stud. Five-category guy. You know who's warming up, too? Giancarlo. He is warming up. He is warming up. At 323 during that stretch, Andrew. That 19 out of 22. That the Yankees rattled off. I believe it was you that said once it gets warmer out, Giancarlo Stanton is going to be the Giancarlo Stanton that you expected him to be. I'm pretty sure his numbers are almost identical to what he rattled off last year at this time. And, you know, last year he was pretty good. I think he had 59 home runs, 120-some RBI. So, you know, that's just waiting, lying in the weeds. You know, it's lying in the weeds. Fred Bird, too, Andrew. We haven't even talked about him entering this. And that's what's crazy. Do you realize how historic this lineup is right now? They're breaking records for the first time since like the 60s. 
in 40 games, they have four guys with 10-plus home runs already. In 40 games. Your boy, Aaron Judge, with 11. Giancarlo and Gary Sanchez and Didi Gregorius all have 10. Through the first 40 games of the season. Wow. Those dudes are actually, let's see, it's number two in our lineup, number three in our lineup, number four in our lineup, number five in our lineup. Two, three, four, five. The New York Yankees are too good. And the crazy part about it is, for the first time the other night, it was the first time all year the Red Sox and the Yankees lost on the same day. All year. 40 games in, it was the first time all year the Yankees and Red Sox lost on the same day. Plus, you have the Houston Astros. Plus, you have the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Think about what this race is going to be going down the stretch in, one, the AL East, but two, the AL in general. Listen, for all my Yankees clamoring about how great we are, the Sox are still neck and neck with the Yanks at 28 and 12. Well, Andrew, I'm going to shout out my quick five and my 5A. I have six teams right now that I'm watching. Oh wait, wait, oh, wait! So you're changing your power rankings? Am I changing from our previous no. Friday morning? Oh, yes, you're right. Have I changed them? I don't remember. I told you to write them down. Did you not write them down? No, because it's recorded, oh, which is right. what you always tell me Somebody after you tell back. me to write it Somebody, down. One of our one of our many listeners, <laughs> go back and check. Go back and tweet that at us, please. But I have a new power rankings. Give it to me. Give it to me. Number one, and it pains me to say it because it's not my Yanks, but it's the Houston Astros, Andrew. Until they are dethroned, I believe in that pitching rotation, and also that lineup, because they could they could stack that lineup with anybody as well. In the they AL. break. Number two, the Yankees, for obvious reasons, pitching, the hitting, murderers row that we got, it's a no brainer. Number three, give me the Sox, for the same reasons above with the Yankees. The, the starting pitching is okay, but they got a murder. They they have a murderers row. They have 25 games already, Andrew, of five-plus runs. That's pretty impressive, too. That's a very good lineup. We've talked about this a few times before, but, you know, I don't think people give them enough credit for how good they are offensively, and there are still players in that lineup that haven't hit to their full potential yet this season. Coming to number four, and you can flip-flop four, five, and five, A for me because it don't matter after number two, frankly. Arizona Diamondbacks. Their star pitching is carrying them, Andrew. They are batting as a team. I, I think they have like 28. I don't know how many twins they have, 24? They're batting 225 as a team, Andrew. As a coach, that's pretty bad. They're 24 and 16. However, that 225 that you speak of is catching up to them because they were just swept by the Washington Nationals and they've lost five straight right now. So they're catching what feels to be the New York Mets disease. Number five, give me the Nationals, Andrew, like you just said it. Winners out of 13 out of 15. Next stop, they're home against my Bombers. We're going to sweep them this two-game set. That is going to be a fun two-game set. Just to, just picture Bryce Harper and pinstripes. That outfield, Bryce Harper in center, Giancarlo in left, Judge in right. Oh, man, I, can, I can't wait to see that, Andrew. Throw, I, throw Machado at shortstop. I just don't see it happening. I, I can don't. dream. A guy can dream. My five A Andrew, real quick, because I believe I believe in them, and they may be able to top the Houston Astros in the AL West if, if, if Showtime Otani keeps going the way he's going. But give me the Angels and my five A slot, Andrew. How do you feel about my top five? I, I like your top five. I just you don't give any love to the Atlanta Braves, which too young, too young, too soon. So so do you so do you think through the first forty Philadelphia, plus Philadelphia Sixer syndrome? Uh, but, so let me. All right. So here's my question. So, if the Houston Astros lose six straight, are they still your number one team? Until they get dethroned, yes. Okay. So number one for you is always going to be the Houston Astros, no matter what they do. Yes. Call me Captain Literal Man. Shout out. Fine. Yeah. Fair. TMKS show. Fair. Okay. Until so they get dethroned by my Yankees in the in the ALCS this year. And then we eventually win our 28th ring. Thank you very much. Okay. 
Houston's number one. So for the I'm same, I'm gonna say it again, Andrew. For the same, Houston's number one. For the same reason, you'll keep Houston at the one because they haven't been dethroned. And I made that. I agree with you. I was on that argument side last week. Is that the same reason you're not gonna give Atlanta the respect? Is because you've seen it so many times in baseball before? Unless Bobby Cox is waddling his old ass out that dugout, Andrew. I am not trusting the Atlanta Braves. Well, I'm happy you don't give the Phillies any burn, and I don't. I can't believe I'm sitting here no defending the Atlanta Braves. No team out of Philadelphia gets my love, Andrew. Well, I I agree with you. I think right now, present day, today, no championship thought process, just straight up, forty games in, whatever it is. Today, Major League Baseball, I think the Yankees are the number one team in Major League Baseball. I think the Astros are number two. You can call it one A, you can call it one B, you can call it whatever it is. I just don't think anybody right now is beating the Yankees. It's just in their last 13 games against the top teams in the American League, they went 11 and 2. Is that good? And that included the Houston Astros. I mean, here's one thing. Let's put it, like I said, winning is the ultimate deodorant, Andrew, and you know that. I mean, I believe you're conference champs. Give yourself a shout out, coach. We are. Shout out St. Thomas Aquinas College baseball. The East Coast Conference Champions 2018, number two seed Oops. in the East region this week at Pace University. Of course, you always got to shout out your squad, man. Give them some love. They, they listen to the, the cast, you got to give them a little love. So, Spartans. so more of them listen to the cast. The only thing that worries me as a Yankee fan, and it's obviously always been a question mark, it's the pitching. It's the starting pitching. Severino is our ace. True ace, Andrew. He's got filthy stuff. You, you saw it last, the other night. The six-one win. I mean, he he. Everyone said it. Booney said it. He said it. He didn't have his best stuff. Couldn't couldn't find his own. Couldn't command nothing. I think he had seven strikeouts, one run ball. I mean, yeah, it was the uh, Billy Bean Oakland A's. But that dude, if he could match his slider with that electric fastball. Besides, Scherzer, a healthy Kershaw. There's not many other pitchers. I maybe maybe Thor. But there's not many pitches I put ahead of Severino. I heard a question this morning. If you had to say who the ace of New York was, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob deGrom, Luis Severino, or Tanaka, who would you say it was? And to me, that was a dumb question because I don't think there's a doubt in my mind right now that Luis Severino is the ace of New York. I mean, he is. he might be with... Kershaw on the DL and having a down year and other big-name, quote-unquote, arms in the league not having big years. Luis Severino might be a top-three arm in Major League Baseball right now. It's gotten to the point where every time he's on the mound, if you're a Yankees fan, you feel like he is going to win you a ballgame. And there's no doubt in your mind. Oh, 100%. He's given us a quality start, which is a... Quite an interesting stat, Andrew, by the way. I don't know who keeps that, how stats become stats. I love the quality start stat. Six innings, three earned runs or less. I mean, listen. He, that, that is a quality start. If he doesn't go seven, I'm disappointed in him. Well, that's true, we because that's what you stack, expect from your ace. Right, 100%. But we have a stacked bullpen. You're behind him. Well, that's, the, you behind get him me six kind of, and you're good. Behind him is kind of the question mark. I like Tanaka. But I think of recent, once he, he's, he's kind of going through that CC syndrome of, of, of a year or two ago, where once he gets that third set of, through the rotation, through the lineup, he starts getting hammered. So, I mean, like I said, we have that stud bullpen. Canley's coming back. You know, Ch- Chase and Shrevey's our left-handed specialist. We might need to find another lefty. I'm not sure. I think Booney's okay with, her, you know, with our staff. I love Robertson. You know, he's kind of getting a little bit uh, whacked around. Uh, a little bit, not much, but he's always good for a few Ks. Batances, I don't know why Booney keeps him in for two innings. I mean, there's enough of a sample yeah, size now. Yeah, give him three outs and get him out of exactly. there. Exactly. What are we doing here? We are there's just, no need for that. And Chapman is just, Chapman just plays with characters. It's not even fair. He just doodled a, a carrot in front of that in front of that bunny, man. It's not even fair what, what he does. To, I mean, the fact that somebody, being a left-handed pitcher is hard enough. Being six feet plus on the mound is hard enough. Then throwing a hundred plus miles per hour. He relies on that slider too. I know he does. He can throw that. He can, throw, he can, he can go from a hundred, hundred and one fastball to an eighty-eight mile an hour straight here's, slider. Here's what I think the playoffs 
with the Chicago Cubs in 2016 did for Araldis Chapman. It taught him how to pitch. Because when he was used so much in that World Series, you saw it in extra innings, all he had was sliders. Only thing he was throwing up there was sliders. And he somehow found a way. Even though he gave a three-run home run. Even though he blew the lead and it was a tie ball game and they had the win and extras and whatever the case is. At the end of the day, he had to learn how to pitch right there in that moment with another pitch besides his fastball because he didn't have the gas on his fastball. And I think you fast forward to now, two years later, it might have hurt him in the interim. Quickly, he was injured a little bit starting the year. Yeah, he had some other issues and... You know, it was a weird start to the year last year for Rawls Chapman back in Yankees uniform. But at the end of the day, it ended the way you expected it to. And he's now doing the things you expected him to this year. And I think that is the residual effect of what happened that year with the Cubs. Yeah, I was I was a little nervous when we, when we re-signed him because you saw with that throughout that run the Cubs made that Joe Madden knew that he wasn't coming back and they were going to abuse the ever-living, you know what, out of his arm. But the dude has a gumby arm. And he came back. You know, he, he was hurt a little bit last year, but still a solid year. And you see it this year. What that taught him all those innings through in Chicago really did teach him how to pitch. And he can actually go an inning, two innings, you know, if you want. You can stretch out Chapman, which is always a good thing to stretch a closer out. But let me tell you, after Tanaka, I got my man CeCe. That dude, in his ripe old age... I want to say he's 35 or 36, Andrew. Let me look that up. Or 37. He's, like, he's, old, he's an older gentleman for baseball standards. But he's learning how to pitch. I think he's pitching to like a under two, a sub two ERA. He reinvented himself, CC Sabathia. He I had mean, to. He lost He lost the velo on his fastball. He, he realized that he wasn't the same guy he used to be. And now he comes back this year and he's pitching to the tune of a 2-2-3 two, two, ERA. Awesome. But you know what's crazy, though? And 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 because you're talking about the pitching staff, and I know Sonny Gray's been a bit of an issue in that, and and team pitching stats kind of sometimes become inflated. But what's crazy is we're sitting here talking about how good the Yankees pitching staff is, but compared to overall Major League Baseball, they're the tenth best staff overall in the league, and that's what's crazy to think about. We're talking about all these home runs being hit, and we're looking at how dominant the Yankees pitching staff is. And, yeah, you know what? They had a tough first 18 games of the year, so maybe that inflated their stats. So maybe that's the reason why they're only 10th in the league right now. But think about how good the Yankees staff is, and then you look at those teams that are in, in front of the New York Yankees, and you say to yourselves, oh, okay, this all makes sense. The Houston Astros are number one on that list. Arizona Diamondbacks. St. Louis Cardinals, Washington Nationals, Chicago Cubs, Philadelphia Phillies, Atlanta Braves, Milwaukee Brewers, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, then Angels, then Cleveland. There is no coincidence that the top 12 teams in Major League Baseball, in terms of total pitching, those 12 teams are over 500 and either leading their division or in a wild card spot and are fighting for an opportunity to be in the playoffs. As much as we talk about hitting and the home runs and everything else, pitching rules baseball. Come playoff time, you know, he will be part of the postseason rotation because, I th- cause, you know, we did give up. We did give up some top, not top prospects, but we definitely gave up some, some good pieces in that trade. And I think Sonny Gray was just one of those characters, kind of like, you know, Mike Stanton. In Oakland, he was nothing. You know, he maybe had a handful of reporters that he had to worry about if he had a bad day. Oakland wasn't selling out. There's no pressure to play in Oakland. There's no expectations to play in Oakland. Same thing down with the Marlins. John Carlo, if he went over five but five Ks, he maybe had to deal with four or five reporters in Miami. When you come to New York, you know, some guys just aren't cut to deal with the concrete jungle that is New York, Andrew. And well, and that's the truth about it. And I think I think the media is the number one. I think you're you nailed it on the head right there. The media is number one. Mark Desher talks about this all the time in a lot of interviews, and he's like, it's real. It, it is real. Like when you come to New York, you put a lot of pressure on yourself when you come to the city of New York to perform and to live up to expectations, and and that's hard. And you saw it with Matt Harvey. There's no coincidence that when he starts for the first time in Cincinnati in front of five thousand people in the stands. And there's 14 reporters maybe in the room after the game. It's easy. It's a different world if you're in that spotlight. And it just takes some time. And 
who knows? Maybe Sonny Gray is being hit with that, and because he's not doing very well, it's hard. But at the end of the day, Sonny Gray, Anthony, is not a guy that lives in the strike zone. He wants you to chase outside of the strike zone. He's throwing his ball with his movement, his types of pitches. He's trying to get you to chase out of the zone. If Sonny Gray leaves the ball in the zone, he's getting knocked around everywhere. His stuff isn't that good to be able to throw hittable pitches and get guys out. His stuff is good to the point where he's making you believe it's there until it's not, and you're beating yourself. But if you run into a team or a day where... He beats himself or the other team doesn't allow them to beat themselves. Sonny Gray is going to get tattooed, and you kind of almost got to live with that. Right. I, the M.O. was out on Sonny Gray, and you hit it on the head. He nibbles on the on the edges. And if your pitches aren't perfectly located and these guys aren't chasing, I mean, these, these are major league hitters, Andrew. They do get paid as well. He's going to get tattooed. And I think, frankly, you might be able to get that away with that in the postseason. He'll be the back end of the rotation kind of guy, the fourth or fifth starter if it, if it comes to it. Because I'm telling you, Cashman, he knows what he knows. He didn't address starting pitching in the offseason. I mean, They're going to get somebody. To we'll get Jocko Stan that kind of again masks the fact that we didn't address starting pitching. And it's I think, fun, and it's funny. Let me tell you, Michael K brought it up today. They sent Drury. Down to AAA. Now he's back now. You know his his headaches are gone. His blurred vision is gone. I, I'm wondering if Cashman and the rest of the the, the little el- the little magical elves he has back there working are wondering. You know, in hindsight, with Anduhar playing so well, who actually is coming back down to earth a little bit? You know, what do we do with Drury now? Do you get him working then try and trade him? Which one, Drury? Yeah. I th- I, I think Anduhar's. You- I think Anduhar's the piece though. I don't think you're going to get a top-flight pitcher at the, at the trade deadline. But here's my thing. But, but it, it, I don't, I, I'm not sure if I want to do it yet. But if like, I think pitching wins World Series because it's going to come down it's to the pitching. Truth. I think I think I could let Andujar go. Maybe sign Machado, Machado in a year or two. But, that, that'd be fun. What if you don't sign Machado? And that, but that, and that's the question I'm go to the Mets. always going to ask. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. We got Todd Fraser for two years. We got, we got Todd Fraser for two years. The the last thing you're talking about Todd offense. And and you obviously we know how good the Houston Astros offense are. They they're just so good that that's one of the hardest lineups one through nine to get yeah, out. Get that interest, the huh? Yankees are one of the toughest lineups one through nine to get out. But you mentioned another lineup that I don't think people are getting enough love. And it's pretty much the second best lineup in the league behind your New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. And that is the Boston Red Sox. And they're led by Mookie Betts, who's a stud. He's hitting 360. He's got 13 bombs. His OBP is 440, which is ridiculous, on base percentage. Almost 50% of the time he's on base. That's just The Red Sox as a team are hitting 270, and overall they got 54 bombs on the year. They don't have as many home run hitters, but they have a 97 doubles already to this point, and they've only played 40 games. So essentially they're averaging nearly two and a half doubles per game. Similar to the New York Yankees, they got a top-end rotation guy, Chris Sale. Their Obviously arms are good too. I'm not thoroughly impressed with my with David Price. Uh, you know, no, maybe, His ERA is in the fours right now. I wouldn't even consider him. Maybe he's always two. hurt. Is he a three? Would you consider him a three? No, right now he's a four. So or maybe who, even if I... Who's there two then? They have a two? Eduardo Rodriguez? Probably. Drew Pomerantz? Stop. Again, similar to the Yankee problem, Boston, Mike Dombrowski, you bum, he'll be looking for some, some pitching come deadline as well because he knows exactly what he needs. You have a pretty good bullpen, and you obviously have Kimbrel at the back end of that bullpen. You don't scare me anymore. But... With that stupid arm thing when he hangs down low like a... He kind of looks like a, like a snake, kind of. A snake. What kind of snakes are you looking at? Yeah, he's kind of bending down. Snakes, snakes. I don't know those uh, snakes. I don't know a little, little scary Shout snake. Out home alone, Harry. You know somebody that is not a snake, and it's somebody that you know closely, and it's it's somebody that supports our podcast, and it's somebody that can help you if your home needs a remodeling, uh, you need a deck redone, a kitchen, some interior trim, some exterior trim, some redesign, whatever it is. He's not a snake either. He's about to build my, me a beautiful mantle fireplace for my living room. 
So he won't give away your address. He won't give away your phone number. He will be a class act, and that is Franchise Construction. Contact frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com or call them at 973-789-6236 and remodel and re-love your home with Franchise Construction. They're going to be hardworking. They're going to be there on time. They're going to get the job done quickly. They're going to get it done well, and you will be 100% satisfied with Franchise Construction. That is frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com or 973-789-6236. Mention Double A Balls Podcast and give yourself a 50% chance to possibly get a 10% discount. When our man Franchise Construction Anthony Rinaldi gets on the podcast, it means it is time for a little NHL. Oh, Andrew, I am so fired up. NHL playoffs, Final Four. Let me ask you this. Just a, I know the answer to this one, but I just want to hear you say it. Do you think the NHL wants a Capitals-Vegas matchup, or do they want a Winnipeg Jets versus Tampa Bay Lightning Final matchup? You want Vegas, the expansion franchise. People are all over that. And then you want Washington with arguably the second best player in the league who's never been to a Stanley Cup Finals. And his team has just killed a huge bugaboo on themselves and the franchise and the head coach and yada, yada, yada. That's the matchup you want. Clearly ratings for hockey aren't nationally... Comparable to you know baseball or, or basketball, not even football close, but I think when the year starts, you probably want the Los Angeles Kings and the New York Rangers, but I don't think right. you can get everything you want. But listen, if you get Vegas Capitals, that's the most ideal matchup. I hate to think it, but is Gary Batman throwing a little extra cash towards those refs? Like, hey, let's make sure this happens. I think Vegas has a solid 2 0 lead right now in period number two, but as you tell me, the two goal lead in hockey is the worst lead to have. Worst, worst lead. It always forces your players sometimes to play a little passive, not be, continue to be as aggressive. They think they're up more than they should be. But I digress for you, Anthony. So let me tell you, Andrew, the Capitals, 6-1 and one away from their home arena in the playoffs. They always say home cooking is the best medicine, but it seems like being on the road is the Capitals' best medicine. And I think that's what's kind of been crazy about this playoff run right now is you almost see them going home right now saying, hey, they just need to win one of two at home. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. You're not saying they should definitely sweep at home. You're saying they should win one of two. But that's just kind of the way their playoffs have gone, where you almost hope that they win at home and get one of the next two so that they have another chance on the road to get the win. That's how well they've been playing away from Washington and it's kind of weird to think about, Anthony, but I don't think it matters in the end. As long as you're getting the job done, you're getting the job done. But if you're Washington, you're going home, and you're looking at a Tampa Bay team that is against the ropes, if you go in and you win game three, it don't even matter what happens in game four. Are, I mean, I don't want to bring it out in game three, but are we getting the brooms out? The sweep? Do you think the, the sweep? Do you, do, you sweep? Think, do you think Capitals already, I mean... Taking two games on the road. Grab the broom. On the Frozen Four. But that's what I'm saying. The soul of, but of Washington's the not that good at home. They've proven it already this playoffs. Andrew, since you're the hockey guru, Ovechkin. Jace. Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, nailed that name. Holpe. I mean, are these names, TJ Oshie, are these names that are like top of the NHL, like, I feel like Washington always has has a legit squad, but why have they never been to a, to a ship? Has it just been the, pen, the the Penguins' bugaboo? I think that might be part of it. I don't know if it's as necessarily on the same plane as when you're thinking like the MJ bugaboo for like those Utah Jazz teams and and like the the Knicks, the Phoenix Suns, or LeBron right now with the Toronto Raptors and everybody else that's ever tried to play LeBron, no matter what team he's on. Um, I don't think it's like that necessarily. It, it, it kind of is, but I just think for some reason, it's just one of those things where they're just one of those franchises that's always good enough to get there and be 
be a high-level team during the regular season, but when push came to shove in the postseason, they just didn't have the right pieces to get done what they needed to get done. And finally, this year now, it looks like, to your point, clicking on all cylinders, and you are a little bit correct. Maybe it isn't that there's not as many big names or there's more guys besides Ovechkin that like you don't know as well but are making their name now in the playoffs for this Capitals team. And Kuznetsov is the first guy that comes to mind for me because I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I've heard this name throughout the year, and he's been a very good player for the Capitals. And so I have a few other guys on their roster, but every, every second that I turn around, I feel like I'm hearing his name, and then I'm hearing Ovechkin's name, and I think that's where it's a bonus for the Capitals this all, this playoffs. That dude throws straight heaters at the goalie. I mean, he was, he was first in the team in assists with – 56 on the season. So, I mean, you look at it and say to yourself, why is Alexander Ovechkin score 49 goals in a year? Yeah, he's good enough to do it. But when you have guys putting the puck on your tape in good situations and you can put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. Oh, the tape and the biscuit in the basket. You're in a good you place. You are full of cliché. You mentioned before that in baseball, OBP is, is a good indicator stat of how good a player is. This number seems a little high. The Capitals are at a 31% power play efficiency in the playoffs. It's unbelievable. That sounds high. Is that good? That's that sounds good. That's very good. That's very good? Okay. That's, that's no wonder they're up 2-0, huh? That, it's like every Rattled time. Rattled all five goals in a row Sunday. They're so good at moving the puck. And the unbelievable thing about the game on Sunday, not unbelievable, but when that game first started, Tampa Bay came out fast. They played quick. They were offensive. They had a 2-1 to lead. And then all of a sudden in the second period, you just felt that momentum shift. The Capitals just came with what felt like ferocity. They scored three goals in the second period, and at that point it was deflating. And you, you listen to some comments from Tampa Bay after the game. We didn't play as, a, of a, as aggressive. We were a little bit too tentative. We were passive. We have to come in aggressive the whole game in game three. We have to play our game. All of those things. I think that is what's the most impressive to me right now about that run for the Caps is they are the aggressor now, Ant. They're no longer what felt like the little brother trying to knock down the door and get in. They are the aggressor. Sharks, blood in the water. Simple as that, Andrew. You get up 2-0, you're actually going home up 2-0. I'd be very disappointed if Washington didn't win it in five. I'll give Tampa Bay one. You don't want to Absolutely. They, they are professional athletes on that on the Tampa They're going to split in Washington. I'm telling you that right now. Right. So, yeah. So, Washington, they have this. If they have any desires of winning a ship, if this is Ovechkin's time, prove it to me and wait for your opponent. Go out handle your business. Ding, ding, ding. Right, Bob. You want to do what LeBron James just did to the Toronto Raptors. Make them your you, – you are their daddy. Yes. And, and make them actually fire their coach that just won Coach of the Year. Oof, that's tough. Tough, Andrew. You know what? While we're on that subject, the Boston Celtics, for at least one game, might have made LeBron James their daddy. Yeah, how many points did Irving score? I think uh, Hayward had a triple-double, right? Oh, what? Because they're not there. What lineup is Boston? That's what's crazy about this. You wanted this matchup all year. You said it before to me, and I have to say it again. You wanted this matchup all year. Here we are sitting here on May 15th or 14th or whatever day it is, and you're saying to yourself, we got the exact matchup we wanted, but the two best players for one of the teams aren't even there, and they're still winning. What is this roster going to look like? I don't know if Kyrie's going to be there. I can, tell, I, can, I can honestly think Kyrie may be gone. But he has but, one more year on that deal. Right. You know Hayward's coming back. But this squad, Andrew, I mean, these guys just play defense, kid. And That's what's most impressive. Brad Stevens. Is a guru. Brad Stevens. You know, I know I have I have LeBron and my bananas. And this is probably the, the only team you wanted to, to face Cleveland. Brad Stevens will, will coach circles around Coach Lou, man. I mean, they have such an advantage. He he coaches to every single strength that his player has. Are you learning why the coach in the National Basketball Association is so important 
by watching this Cleveland Boston series. Hold on, before I answer that, do you want to hear the dumbest comment that Coach Bre- the Coach Brown from Philly said? Yes. He said, and I mean maybe he's in the heat of the moment forgot all, all things, but but coaches have a vote for Coach of the Year. Yes. Which Brad Stevens got none. I heard this. And then he goes to himself, if I had a vote, I'd vote for him. You have a hey, vote, you but... you have a vote. Who do you vote for yourself? For Doc Rivers. Or did you not? Not Doc Rivers gonna vote. Or did no you, offense, Doc you, Rivers. Or did you not vote and have somebody on your staff vote, and you didn't care who they voted for, and they themselves voted A for Doc Rivers, or B didn't vote? Maybe he, maybe Brown gave his vote to the assistant of the traveling secretary. Shout out Seinfeld. Thanks Are we not. learning the importance of the coach in the National Basketball Association? That is a, I'm not answering that question, Andrew, because I don't know the answer. But let me ask you this one. Let me flip it on you. Wait, but you are. No, I got to flip it on you. Why? Because you're the host, and you're the hostess with the mostest. Do you think it's harder to coach a team with LeBron? Because yes. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, you're learning a lot about Brad Stevens and his coaching ability because he's coaching a bunch of young Thundercats. Yes. To this almost, not elite level. Because I think they're a player away. Because I think Houston and or Golden State would roll through. I agree. A, 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 either the championship series. Yes. I, I think either but way. But in this instance, I think he's just got them all going, rolling in the right direction. They're playing great fundamental basketball. They buy in. And he's he's definitely coaching. But what does Tyron, what, what does Coach Lou do with a guy like LeBron? Yeah, so to answer your question, which I guess in turn you are correct, does answer my question as well. Bang. Is yes, coaching the team without LeBron is so much better than coaching the team with LeBron because you're not going to get much say with the team with LeBron. The difference between a guy like LeBron and Russell Westbrook is LeBron is actually good enough at that level, his size, his ability, his demeanor, the way he handles the situation, his ability to actually use his teammates when necessary. LeBron can actually carry the team. Russ can't. But there's no difference when, at the end of the day, you're giving the the ball to LeBron and saying, whatever you want to do, man. Now, LeBron will call plays as opposed to Russell Westbrook, who will just go Tasmanian devil and hope that something positive happens. There's where the two pair are, are, are... are perpendicular, not parallel. But that is what LeBron James is. And that's what Ty Lue is doing. People made such a point the other day about how Ty Lue decided to go the length of the floor instead of doing the half court. Do we know necessarily that that was actually Ty Lue's decision? Do we not know that LeBron James might have walked into that huddle and said, let's take it from the end so I can run full speed 90, 90 feet and then fade away and make this bucket? I think when it comes down to crunch time, it's definitely there's no play drawn up. It's get the ball at 23, clear out the way. If they double, hit your open shot. Thank you, Allah Ray Allen. You got him a championship. Like that I, I think I need to watch the games closer because I feel like I'm never inside their huddle. No, yeah. I feel like I'm always in uh, other teams' huddles. I feel like I was in Philly's huddle like 12 times during these playoffs. Yeah, you were in there here. Joel but I pick feel up like, lines on Rihanna. I feel like I have, I'm not that often in the Cavaliers huddle. Listen, I think getting blown out by 25 points is mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Yeah, it's it's a game one lost. LeBron's been down on one before, but George Hill, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, those dudes, I think, all scored under eight points in that game. It's basically, I mean, LeBron only had 15. And he wasn't the highest scorer on his team. No, K Love was, right? Yep. And he got, 17. He got outshowed, outdueled yeah. by old man. I can't say old man, but old school veteran Al Horford. I mean, someone made this point the other day, and I completely agree with it. Everyone forgets that the Boston Celtics are talented. Al, Hall, Al Horford, third third overall pick. Jalen Brown, let me stop third overall pick. Jason Tatum, third overall pick. You nailed it, real quick. Who would if, if Boston? Let's say Boston gets to the mountaintop or gets past Cleveland. Who's their MVP so far? Al Horford. I was just gonna say Al think, Horford. I think it's Al Horford. Hundred percent. Even though Young Man Tatum. Yes, I mean you, you're not there with, with I, I Brown. You're not there without Tatum. You're not there without Morris. You, Terry Rozier. All these guys, one hundred percent. But I just think the glue for all of them is Al Horford. The the fact that Brad Stevens in big spots wants to put the ball in his hands 
and he's like an extension of the coaching staff on the floor. He's talking a lot. I feel like he has the most experience out of everybody that's playing around him right now. So they kind of lean on him for that. And I think at the end of the day, he's played so well in these this playoff run for this Celtics team that if you were to take Horford away from this team, they might not have even made it out of the first round. I agree 110%. When you look at the defense, big shout-out. I think it's Maurice Morris on Boston. I know his brother plays for Philly, or vice versa. One of the Morris brothers played hell of a defense on LeBron. I mean, he, he talked a lot of smack before the that series. That was Marcus Morris. Marcus is the one who plays for Boston? Marcus. All right, there you go. I know one of them. Marcus he East. did. He was he said on, besides on Kawhi, like white on rice. Oh, boy. He went there. But he said, under like Kawhi, I played, I played a nice best defense on LeBron, and LeBron kind of scoffed at it. But held him, I think, to 6 of 15 or 6 of 17 shooting, something like that. That's Al, the other Al thing. Al Wolford also played a little defense on LeBron. And the Celtics don't talk. After the game, they don't talk. They just worry about them, worry about getting better every day, and just worry about how they can improve for the next game to put their best foot forward in game two, and that's a step closer to doing what they need to do to get to the finals. That's what's even more out of everything else. The talent, the guys that have played well, the 108 to 83 whoop up of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the fact that you were up 36 to 18, 18 Nothing points Andrew. in the first, none Andrew. of it. I know you're scared, but you've been at it. I'm not scared anymore. Yeah, no, I'm not scared game, anymore. One game tough guy muscles. One game Listen, tough guy muscles. I walked into you our. You know, LeBron, don't start. Playoffs don't start until you lose a game at home. But eventually that runs out. And I walked into our team meeting last night to find out what seed we were for the regional. And arguably one of the, my favorite players of all time that I've ever coached in, in my life. Uh, he's a big basketball fan. I, I said, Joey, are the Celtics for real? And he said, yo, coach, I'm on the bandwagon. And I said, no, I don't know. I said, here's the deal. On Wednesday... After game two, I'll tell you if I believe they're real or not. That's what I'm sticking to. But ever since he started pushing me towards jumping on the bandwagon earlier, I've started to re- realize reasons why they are so good. And I am starting to see the light as to why they could be the team to end this streak for LeBron James. Brad Steven comes up with some defensive just juggernaut type, throw throw everything at LeBron with the kitchen sink. You saw some times where he was switching, and he had he had Terry, 6'2", 190 pounds, soaking wet, Terry Rozier on him. And instead of taking them to the hole or, or pulling up over him for the shot, the easy shot, LeBron kind of outthought him and wanted that mismatch uh, down low with K-Love, and they were forcing that ball in there. LeBron had seven turnovers. There was a, there was a point in his interview, and you know – when the greats are, when the greats, the greats are great for a reason, and LeBron James rattled off, I think, a ten, ten play, two minute sequence, where he detailed every pass where he, where he went wrong, where he did this, he did that, he should have done that, he should have done this. If the single fact that he can recall that off the top of his head, just after playing that game, tells you everything. Tells you exactly everything. And like he said, he kind of, he kind of said it. He goes, listen, game one is just, I feel him out. I saw what they were doing defensively to me. I took that into considerations. It's a chess match with LeBron. Boston threw the first haymaker. Congratulations. You landed it. Beat him up, up by 25. Now let's see what happens in game two. Pitching wins championships in baseball is the same statement as defense wins championships in basketball. Ask the Golden State Warriors that. Come on now. I mean, they do play great defense. Right. But scoring in the NBA also wins your championship. Yes, but if you, you can put up 120, but if you can't hold them to 119, what does it matter? And for as good as the Golden State Warriors are offensively, the fact of the matter is... Put them on my back, dude. They were not the best defense in the league until the playoffs started. And that is when we all started looking at the Golden State Warriors and saying, okay, they're here. They're probably going to make the run at this thing that we expected them to make the run at. But that all started with the defense they started playing in the playoffs. Because during the regular season, and I wrote the article, com. I wrote the article. 
in during the year, they were middle of the pack in all defensive categories. Playoffs, switch turns on. Golden State Warriors, again, are the best team in the NBA. There's no doubt in your mind that you feel like they're going to go to the championship round. And now, what you thought was going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers at the beginning of the year, well, it might be turned into somebody else. And as we obviously broadcast with the Golden State Warriors Rockets game currently going on, I have one question for you, Anthony Rinaldi, and it doesn't matter what the record of the series is to ask this question. Do the Houston Rockets have a chance in a seven-game series to beat the Golden State Warriors? Everybody is like, no, Golden State is for Obviously, Golden State is for real, Andrew. I'm on the Golden State. I'm a Golden State Warrior fan. I switch over basically once middle of regular season. Once the next Your bananas are a Golden State Warriors fan. So I have to. I I believe wholeheartedly that there's no no way in in um, there's not a snowflake's chance in hell that a team can beat Golden State. If if Golden State puts their mind to it, four games in a row, you're beating that squad. But if I mean this is the matchup we wanted, Andrew. Houston did all they did in the regular season to get the home court advantage for games one and two. You don't want to say game one is a must win, but I feel like if you want to set the tone for the for the series, you get game one. Toronto needed game one against Cleveland. <clears throat> Sorry. And they happened. blew the lead in that game. Right. So you need to know, if you're Houston, you got the best record in the NBA, so you can have that home possession, home court uh, advantage. Because you know Oracle is going to be hot. But home or away, man, that's tough to beat the Golden State Warriors. What are they, 24-3 and since Durant got there in the playoffs? And that's just why I don't think, even though Houston goes out and gets Chris Paul and tells you that they spent all offseason wanting to work on beating the Golden State Warriors and that that was their sole goal and this, that, and the other thing, at the end of the day, man, they're just too good. There is no team in any professional sport, Anthony, that has four superstars, arguably four superstars, starting in their rotation in Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green. And you could also throw Andre Iguodala in there as a pseudo top player because, one, he has been a finals MVP. He was up to high first-round draft pick. He was supposed to be the second coming of AI again in Philadelphia before it didn't kind of work out. So, you... you Again, you look at that roster and just say to yourself, they're just they're just too good. I don't care if James Harden and Chris Paul are on the other side. That's the Hamptons Five. Oh, I hate that Smooth. nickname. Oh, I love it, Andrew. Give me more to Hamptons Five. Oh, I hate that nickname. Well, a lot of basketball to be watched coming up this week in the NBA. We'll see if Cleveland can right hook back the Boston Celtics. We'll see if Houston has what it takes and if James Harden can amend what happened last year in the conference finals for him. He's got a new sidekick with him. Plus, Clint Capella is a stud. So we'll see what happens there. But one guy that is going to help you out right now, and that's Hawthorne Glass, and that's our guy, Angelo. Angelo has over three decades, I said three decades of service in the glass industry. It is springtime, it is warm weather, and that means you have to fix those broken windows and busted screens. And if you are tired of that shower door, that broken shower door, that busted shower curtain, you just don't like what it looks like, call Angelo, 973-427-4344. You got your shower doors, your tabletops, your storefronts, your windows, your thermopanes. He does it all, folks. Mention double A balls, get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne Glass. That's our man, Angelo. And that is 973-427-4344. Anthony Rinaldi, tell the people what that means. That's what do you got? It is a little... I am struggling. I hate this stupid game. What happened? You were on the rise. I picked ice hockey. And then you picked... Ice hockey. Pecorino, go home, you bum. And what happened? Don't fear about the fear of Catholic. And what that means is that Mr. Romanella is now 17 and 13, and Mr. Rinaldi is now 13 and 17. I want to go back on the math. I think you're off. 
Do you do you believe it was something different? No, not at all. I'm just trying to better myself. Ah, uh, you're just upset with Pekka Rene. Pekka Rene. All right. So. National was my squad, Andrew. You know, I was riding. I was and I, coming on the bandwagon. I fell right off. Like and you were fired up. You got me fired Daniel up. Daniel Rinaldi jinx. That's the bro. When you texted me in your pick, you got me fired up and started making me think that I, I wasn't making a, a good pick. I made a pretty good pick. My man Terry Rozier did have a really good game. The Celtics um, did play really well. And they did win. So what was that game seven? You picked? Yeah, no, it was game seven. Okay, what was game five? Okay, five. Game five. Celtics versus Sixers. I said they were going to close it out. They did. It was one fourteen to one twelve, and I believe Terry Rozier had somewhere in the in the business of nineteen points, um, a bunch of yeah. Now listen, I, you you assists. Good job. You Real good game. Three mice. Real good game. You got the W in that one, really. So because of that, and I know you're down in the dumps, and I missed you last week, and you didn't have a chance to. What do you got live? So. I'm going to get you started off here on this What Do You Got by asking you the question, Anthony Rinaldi, what do you got? What do you first got? off, I don't know why you keep asking me first. I think this is part of your I plan. love it. You get in my head, you confuse me. You throw a lot of numbers at me. I get flustered. I pick a bad pick. I'm going to the act of the hardwood, Andrew. It's the passion. I know it best. It's game two, so you better get your ass editing because it's got to get out to the people. The masses need to know, Andrew. They must watch. Game two, Cleveland versus Boston, May 15th. Shout out Josh Eucleson. Happy birthday, dog. All right. 8.30 p.m. start. Probably going to be TNT or ESPN. Check your local listings. I don't know. And I'm going with, I mean, it's too easy to go LeBron, so I'm going LeBron because I need the easy, I need the easy W, Andrew. Give me LeBron with a triple-double. He's going to slap back and just show Boston really how to play Playoff basketball. So were we predicting again this week? 35 points. Write this down. Or remember it's a podcast, Andrew. As you always say. 35 points, 12 bounds, 11 assists. LeBron carries Cleveland back to Cleveland on his back. I, I carried a team on my back, dude. All right. So you are one, picking. One. So that's just like if I told you to choose somebody that was going to be able to score 10 points in a basketball game, that, that's as easy as this pick of choosing LeBron James. Yeah, looks like Andrew knocking down a 12-foot jump shot with nobody in his face. Truth. All right, LeBron, the Cavs versus Boston, game two, 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. I laugh as I read it out loud because, not because Anthony's wrong, but because it's probably going to happen. So I'm going to the dirt, to the grass, to the sunshine, to the lovely sport, of Major League Baseball, and I am taking an oldie but a goodie, and that is the Houston Astros versus the Cleveland Indians on Saturday. That is a midday game, a 4-10 start. Everyone's sleeping on Cleveland, Andrew. Everyone is sleeping on Cleveland. As we currently talk, they are 20-19, and 19, but they are in first place in their division. Uh, their division is not very strong this year. They're the only team over 500 right now, and they are one game over 500. But on the mound, this is the reason why I'm taking that game particularly, besides the fact that I think Cleveland's going to be there in the end and they're going to be somebody competing. So I'm choosing this matchup because it was the Astros. You're choosing it because of the beard, Keiko. Keiko's got a fierce beard. And the Indians and the fact that Trevor Bauer had said something about the Astros, and I find it awesome that they're playing in Houston. And I think that makes it a lot more interesting. So that's a 4-10 start. That's on Saturday, and you mentioned it. I'm taking Dallas Keuchel because I love the bearded man. He's a stud. He is an ace. Pitching, now Pitching better for sure. The Astros have, what, probably five to ten aces, what feels like, on their staff. I think you always say it, one through five, they're hands down the best staff in the league. But Dallas Keuchel is the man, and I feel like before we heard about anybody in that rotation, uh, McCullers, Morton, Obviously, Verlander, you heard about, but that was from his time in Detroit. Before you heard about anybody in Houston, you heard about Dallas Keuchel first. He arrived, he set the tone, and then everybody came and followed. So I'm taking the Astros, I'm taking the Indians on Saturday, and I'm taking Dallas Keuchel. And I'll give you my stat line. Excuse me. I'm going seven and a third, nine Ks, six hits, two earned runs. I wrote it down. No, you didn't. I wrote it down. 
Because I knew you wouldn't write it down. All right, well, we'll see if Anthony can get back on the horse. Andrew's got his 17 and 13. Anthony's 13 and 17, so plus four games on the Andrew side. But what was really plus plus was the fact that you were back with me today, Ant. I missed you, and I'm glad you're here. Andrew, tell your friends, tell your friends, Double A Balls Podcast, holla at your boys. Instagram, Twitter, social media, at double A balls on both DAABpodcast.com, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Podbean, follow, hit subscribe, do the thing, visit PowerOnPerformance.com, buy your apparel, buy your gear, your coffee mugs, buy it all, support the cast, and like Anthony said, tell your friends. I am Andrew Romanella, that is Anthony Rinaldi. We are the Double A Balls Podcast, and we are this has been the double a balls podcast powered by power arm performance your leader in baseball and softball training apparel visit powerarmperformance.com to get your gear and begin training the power arm way today Exclusivo para la esquina digital.net. Me gusta así. Me gusta así. Me gusta así. Me gusta así. Me gusta así.